If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for lemonade days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, save on select steel battery tools. Right now, save $50 on the FSA 57 battery trimmer set. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. With AK-10 battery and AL-101 charger, offer valid for limited time only while supplies last. See participating dealer for details. is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. The Steelers roster has officially dropped from 85 to 80 men after releasing five players yesterday, Tuesday, since this is the podcast form, should probably mention the actual day of the week. 4 p.m. on Tuesday was the date the NFL demanded each team gets down to 80 men, so the Steelers did so by releasing the following players. Linebacker Jannard Avery, receiver Christian Blake, running back Mateo Durant, quarterback Chris Oladokun, and kicker Nick Skiba. Uh, a little surprised by two of the five names on sure. this list, for sure. I mean, a backup kicker doesn't shock No, I knew he all. was gone. A long snapper doesn't really do much for that's you. Easy, yeah. uh, that's easy cutting, honestly, whenever you have to get down. And th- they're loaded with running backs. They brought in a ton of running backs to get through this camp process. And Mateo Durant maybe had a day or two where he showed maybe one or two things to keep him past the first cutdown day. But uh, you look at that running back room and you're probably thinking to yourself, we've got enough to get through this game against Detroit, and then we have the big cut-down day after that game. I don't think we need Durant services anymore, so that's right. another easy cut that we can make to get down to 80. Surely. But the two surprises are quarterback Chris Oladokun, which is a mild surprise, and linebacker Jannard Avery, which I think is a significant surprise. Just on in the locker room earlier this week with Wolf, he said that he, we, we did a whole segment about how impressed we were with Jannard Avery and how we thought he was really throwing his hat in the ring for that number three outside linebacker spot. Apparently the Steelers did not think that same thing because he didn't even make it to the final cutdown day. Well, there's two two reasons why the Avery cut is a significant deal. It's A, because of the reason you just pointed out, Tom, that he was having a decent camp. You know, Gerard Avery, been around, hasn't really made a big splash anywhere, but came to Pittsburgh, seemed to be having a decent enough camp. And now he's cut. The second reason why it comes as a shock is who is left now behind T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith? Delonte Scott, who's our skipper. I think those are the two guys that are going to be back. You're going to go with spot. those two guys as your as your 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 fail safe. Well, let's not act like Jannard Avery was going to be Melvin Ingram two point well, Sure, surely not. However, you'd rather have three guys rather than two guys. Yeah, I wouldn't have been opposed with maybe cutting the fat off of another position that you have a lot of players under. Yeah, like Chris Steele maybe. And you look in the secondary, Donovan Steiner I wouldn't have been Carl's upset. Carl Platel, yeah. one of those guys. You know they're not making the 53-man. Surely not. I'm sure you, you need bodies for the Detroit game, obviously. But then again, the game plan is to play the starters for at least a half against Detroit. So... You'd think the second half would be second and third stringers, who will probably be on the 53-man anyway. 
So I don't know. I I think maybe I, I get what you're saying. You want to keep maybe Jannard around and keep those three way battles for that number three spot in the outside linebacking room. But clearly there was something that the Steelers saw with him uh, that they did not like, and they did not think needed another week of seeing him up close and personal in game action uh, to evaluate him. Would not be surprised if he ends up signing to another team that needs some help at the outside linebacker position. Dude's been in the NFL since 2018. He was drafted by the Browns in the fifth round that year. So He's got some track record in the league. He played a, a little bit in Philadelphia as well. Um, so I think he'll end up on a roster. But a little, I am just a little surprised that they didn't want to continue to give him a look for a legitimate shot at playing uh, on Sundays. But mm-hmm. I, I guess that's just why we're sitting here in microphones blowing hot air into them. And the coaches and Tomlin are actually, you know, really good at evaluating these guys and can see things that maybe we're not seeing day-to-day in practice that – were a little bit of a red flag for them and said, Jannard, we just, there's no re- real need for us to get any more of a look for you, from you anymore. I guess not. Yeah. W- but when you, when you had mentioned my, my, my distaste or my shock when I realized the Steelers were going to go with just a couple of guys behind Howie Smith and, and why, and you pointed out, well, this wasn't Melvin Ingram, a, an established veteran who was at one time a pro bowler. This was just Jannard Avery. I understand that. However, when you look at the rest of the people on this team, especially the outside linebackers, I mean, Hamilcar Rochette, I understand, was just brought in, right? He was brought in in, what, the third or fourth week of training camp, Tom? Mm-hmm. You're telling me you you owed such a loyalty to a guy that you decided to bring in halfway through camp over a guy that was certainly having a better performance overall than Rochette. I know he got in there in that second preseason game, but I can't imagine the tape you got out of Hamilcar was that much better than the tape you got out of Gennard. Yeah, I cannot imagine that being the case either. Uh, looking at the Steelers' depth chart officially on the Steelers' team website right now, there is no left outside linebacker in the second team spot behind TJ Watt. That's where Gennard Avery was mm-hmm. sitting for the past couple of weeks. Uh, Hamilcar Rashad Jr., like you just mentioned, is there, but he's still number three uh, on that left outside linebacker uh, depth chart. And then Derek Tuska is the one right behind Alex Highsmith. Delonte Scott following him there. And then James Vodders is uh, in fourth. Like, why Why a guy like James Vodders? You know, why is he still on sure. the roster? I mean, that's someone. go in the Lions game. There had to be something that we're not knowing, that we're not hearing that happened with Avery. I don't want to say behind the scenes, but just things they saw on the practice field that they didn't like technique-wise or that – didn't think would fit on the style that they're going to play. Or maybe he wasn't picking up the defense as much as T.A. and Mike and Brian Flores wanted him to. I mean, there just has to be something beyond just actual playing in those preseason games because he did okay in those preseason games. And you're keeping guys, Hamilcar, like you said, Vodders, like I said, that just don't think are going to cut the mustard when you compare it to a guy like Jannard Avery. So... Again, I, I think we're kind of making a mountain out of a molehill here because it's it's really not that huge of a deal. I don't right. think and they clearly didn't think he was going to be number three from the beginning if this is happening now. So we shouldn't worry too much about that. In six months, we're not going to be kicking ourselves saying, how could we have let Jernard Avery go? Why do we do that? It's not going to be. It's just the name, right? The, the, the mm-hmm. placeholder. I could see it maybe playing out as like a Quincy Roche, Jameer Jones scenario where you see this guy pop up in New York, you see this guy For pop one up play, in Jacksonville right? on a and special teams think... play, and it's like a, 
Oh, yeah, I remember that guy. He had a little bit of a moment at Steelers camp this year. It's good to see him out on another team making something happen. But, but you're not going to be jealous of the Jaguars or the Giants because yeah, again, when, when the Steelers cut Jameer Jones and they cut uh, Quincy Roche last year, we were a little upset, but then nothing came of that. No, they didn't do anything. It's not going to be like Melvin yeah, Ingram right. going to Kansas City and playing really well and helping that defense Getting all the way to the AFC Championship Yeah, and game. seeing him play like 90% of the snaps on the defensive side of the ball. That, that ain't going to happen with Avery. But it, it, it is worth noting how it is a little bit surprising that he was let go at this stage. If he would have been cut before uh, from when you dropped down from 80 to 53, uh, I think we totally could have understood that, hey, you got to make tough cuts somewhere when you're you trying to get down, down to that 53. 53. Yeah, like, there are guys that who deserve- There's going to be guys that we thought were going to make the team that are out of here when we uh, talk about this next Wednesday after the Tuesday final cutdown day. But I thought he was going to be one of those guys to make it to that point at least. So that's why there's just that surprise. Yeah, it's always that the timing of the cut, right? We we talked about it when the Steelers went from 90 to 85, and here we are talking about it from 85 to 80. It's just, I don't really understand, though, why we have to make such a drastic fall from 80 to 53, but that's just the way the NFL Well, because you need all the bodies for the preseason games. They don't want people getting hurt, you know, overextending. If you, if you only have, like, 60 guys, then you have to play a yeah, lot of your Yeah, but you're players. telling me that you have to go from 80 to 53 within a span of three days at, or two days. It's right? a cruel, cruel business. It's true. But it's like you, you, you couldn't just say, like, okay, get down to... Get down to like seventy five well, by midweek, and then by the next yeah, week, especially because there's the two weeks between the regular season. Right, so you can go in that two weeks. One week you get down to seventy five, and then the next week you get down to fifty three. Nope, NFL wants it done and has all the roster signed, sealed, and delivered by next Tuesday. So <laughs> that cut down day is right around the corner, and I'm sure there's a lot of tight players in that Steelers locker room who are right on the edge of that number fifty three. Uh, but one last thing with the outside linebackers, clearly Derek Tuska and Delonte Scott are battling for the guys that will come in and, and spell T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that Tuska's going to make the team now. I think he's going to get a hat sure. on game day, and he's going to be a part of that 53-man. And I think Delonte Scott's probably trending in that direction as well. But even if Jernard Avery was here, that number three linebacker spot on the outside is a very, 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 very concerning thing for me. You know how T.J. Watt plays with a reckless abandon that he goes 110% on every single snap. He needs a blow every now mm-hmm. and again. Alex Highsmith, I'm sure, is going to need a blow every now and again. And you have a really big drop-off between Watt to Highsmith, and then from Highsmith to whoever's going to be number three is an even bigger drop-off. So... It's like they have the best outside linebacker in football, but they just like keep free-falling more and more as you move down to the number two, to the number three, to the number four spot in that position group. A lot is being asked of T.J. Watt again this year. Not that he can't handle it, but he's going to be in need of a blow. He might get hurt in a game and have to come out or miss a game here or there, and there is no Ingram now to step up in his place. There isn't somebody that I really trust with 40, 50 snaps in a game rushing the quarterback because T.J. Watt or Alex Highsmith is out injured. So still a huge concern for me is that depth at that linebacker well, outside that, spot. I'm glad you brought up Highsmith, right, because we've been spending a lot of time talking about the depth guys. But Highsmith has yet to play a preseason game. He got dinged up, what was it, two weeks ago or something like that? He's yet to play a preseason game. Claims he'll be ready for week one, which I hope. But can you think about that, Tom? If something goes wrong... And he's not out there. You're having TJ. This is reminiscent of Cam Hayward last year with the defensive line. You'd be throwing TJ Watt out there with the guys like Derek Tuscan and everybody else who would follow him. 
Yeah, and that's a very big concern, uh, and I don't know how they solve it. It's not like they can get creative like they're going to with the inside linebacker spot, put more uh, members of the secondary on the field. You need your two outside linebackers. You need to get that pass rush home. So definitely a, a spot to keep an eye on and definitely something that's warranting of concern from Steelers Nation. Uh, quarterback Chris Oladokun getting the uh, axe in the cutdowns from 85 to 80. If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for lemonade days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. I think that's only a little surprising because they used the seventh round pick on him, but mm-hmm. it was their seven B pick. So I mean, it was the ver- one of the very last picks in the draft. And Dale Lawley brought up a really good point. Our colleague here on uh, Steelers Nation Radio and the Steelers Podcast Network listen to the drive every day, four to six. Matt Williamson on SNR, Dale Lawley, and their podcast on the Steelers Podcast Network on Steelers.com. Great stuff there. But he was talking about how you know it would have been almost impossible for the Steelers to have convinced the free agent quarterback to come in as a camp arm after drafting Pickett, signing Trubisky. They would have just been able to see that there was just no shot at potentially moving up to number three on a depth chart mm-hmm. and getting a spot on the roster or the practice squad. So what would be the point of them signing in Pittsburgh? So instead you go out and you draft a guy in the seventh round, you force him to come to Pittsburgh in that training camp period, um, move on from him like they did, and I like the point that he brought up as well is that you can sign him again after the 53-man roster is complete to your practice squad. should be no problem. And I actually would not be surprised if we see Chris Oladokun signed to the official practice squad once, you know, the preseason's all said and done and the Steelers start to fill out their 16-man practice squad. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either, but I do understand the frustration that people have with... Well, I understand the frustration of heat from Oladokun as well because he threw, like, what, two passes a total in the past month? Right, he had zero field time, I know. field time in either preseason game, and he had essentially zero game experience or, or, or practice reps during all of training camp. Like it was a story, Tom. Everybody, like Dale Lolly, everybody was reporting that Chris Olodekun or Olodekun was able to get onto the practice field at training camp one day because he had. He had gone, I think, the first three weeks without a single snap, whether it was in seven shots, two-minute drills, any kind of any kind of practice uh, form. He was not out there, so a hundred percent, you could see the frustration on his side. On the opposite side, the people who were out there saying, "Well, why waste a seventh-round pick mm. on, on a guy like that?" Well, now he's going to most likely end up on your practice squad. And I think it's important to remember that it was seven B. And you can really look at their seventh-round pick being Mark Robinson, who is exceeding expectations for a seventh-round pick. And, you know, again, it's like that timing thing where they did this in the 85-80 to instead of the 80-53. to Seventh-round picks get cut all the time. I mean, if you get drafted pretty much fifth round and later, there's a chance you might not make the roster. Fifth round's probably that last round where you're feeling decently safe. But if you're a sixth or a seventh-round pick, there is no guarantee that you're going to be on the 53-man. Uh, and again, I, I think maybe people were just a little surprised that it was he was cut down from 85 to 80 and didn't make it to that final cut down stage. But it's clear that the Steelers have plans in this final preseason game to play Mitch a lot. And then obviously Kenny and Mason will just take over whatever Mitch doesn't play. 
there was no room for Olotokan to, you know, maybe come in and have his fourth quarter or something like that. It just wasn't going to happen. There's still stuff they need to figure out with the three guys actually battling for positioning on this depth chart. So right, you were I, never gonna... I get moving him and clearing some space there. And I love what Dale said, that he'll probably still be available for you to sign once this is all said and done. You couldn't blame the Steelers for not using Olotokan throughout training camp or in either preseason game. They needed snaps for all the other three. For all three guys. And it's so different from preseasons we've seen in the past where it's just been, like, when you looked at just last year, okay, let's let's have Mason and Haskins go go at it the entire time, let them figure it out for spot number two. But here you are with three guys, and you really don't know which way it's going to fall. Yes, Mitch Trubisky is likely the starter, but you have no idea really where Kenny is going to fall, where Mason will fall, and you have no idea if, if obviously Kenny has a higher ceiling, if Kenny could come up one day and just outperform Mitch to the point where Mike Tomlin can't say anymore or can't deny anymore that Kenny deserves to be a starter. So you have three guys who are all starter capable, and then you have a lot of Kuhn who's as you said, the 7B pick from this year, you cannot blame the Steelers at all for not using him because there was no need to do it and there was no reason to do it. Even if they do bring Olotokon back and he put, gets put on the practice squad, you know, you're still risking him going somewhere else by just outright releasing him. A team could knock on his door today and bring him in for their preseason roster and have him try to make the team. But I think what uh, it tells you is that their plan is to keep all three of the other quarterbacks. Their plan is to keep Mitch, Mason, and Kenny on this roster to start the season and most likely to work their way through the entire NFL season. If if they had any you know inkling or thought in their heads that they would move Mason and um, try to get some sort of compensation from him this year, draft capital or what, what have you, then I think they would have kept Chris just just in case, just to be safe, just to make sure that no one did swoop in and sign this guy because they, you know, like the way he runs or they like the way that mm-hmm. uh, he could be a third string for them. So I think this sig- signifies that all three are safe and all three are going to stay here throughout the entire season. Probably bad news for Mason because I don't think it's going to be long until he ends up holding the clipboard with the sweatpants and the sweatshirt and the mm-hmm. earpiece on the sidelines uh, going over the Microsoft tablet with the other two quarterbacks. Um, not the case yet. He still holds on to that number two spot, but don't think there's a battle for uh, number one in this final preseason game. I think Mitch is going to go out there. I think he's going to have a good first half, and I think he's going to start against Cincinnati. But I think Kenny and Mason are going to be battling for that number two spot in Cincinnati when you see them play against the Lions on Sunday. Is there a limit, do you know, in the regular season to how many quarterbacks are allowed to have a helmet on a game day? In the regular season, there's no limit. Um, you can you have think you can Steelers, have as many position players as you right. want at a certain position. You just have to have you know a certain only. Amount of guys. It's not. It's what is it? Forty five or something like that, or forty seven. You have to have like you can have twelve quarterbacks if you want, as long as you only have that number that total X, on your roster. Right. Yeah, not all fifty three guys get that helmet. But the Steelers like to keep three on the fifty three man and dress two on game. Oh, days. for sure. Yeah. But do you think with this this given year? When you have really no idea, you have Mitch as your starter, sure, we've pretty much established that as a fact, but you don't really know where Mason or, or Kenny will fall because you have a tough schedule, right? There, there's no denying yeah, that. You have to start the year in Cincinnati. So on a given week, it could be, well, you're Mason playing a second-place schedule, right? You finished runner-up right. to Cincy last Mason year. Mason is going to be, and you're playing in the AFC, which is right. the, the far tougher and the AFC conference. North, which is the second toughest conference in the AFC, right. in the whole NFL. So 
you have a give and go hard schedule all around, but it changes week by week. You'll have some easier games. Do you see it possible that they that they give a helmet to all three guys? Just we'd rather start Mitch, and if he gets hurt, we'll go with Mason. But if Mason struggles, then we'll put in Kenny. I don't think it's a bad idea. Not for that reason that you laid out, but for the offensive line being so bad that right. two quarterbacks might get hurt in the same game. Like Thursday night in Cleveland, who's to say Miles Garrett doesn't break Mitch's back and then five plays later he does the same thing to Kenny because he's just blowing by Dan Moore Jr. every single snap. So you might want to guard against that and you know be like, okay, two down, here's another one that we have. You know, a lot of teams have to turn to an emergency quarterback if you get two quarterbacks hurt in the same game. Maybe the Steelers guard against that a little bit, but the problem with dressing three quarterbacks is you're taking away from your special teams play, mm -hmm. and you know Tomlin is a huge proponent of good, strong special teams play. I don't think he'd take a hat away from, say, like a Mark Robinson to give it to Mason Rudolph to most likely not do anything where Mark Robinson can make a couple tackles on kick coverage. So I see it that this year, more likely than any year in the past two decades, that they to would want to do three quarterbacks. But I just don't think it's in the cards. I don't think it's Tomlin style. Um, well, I, you don't I, know because he's never had that opportunity. Though. That's true. And I'd also say that I, I don't think it's far-fetched to think that all three of these guys might end up playing in a football Some game, game this year. Whether it's coming in in relief or starting. Or Mitch is out next week, so it's Kenny's or it's Mason's job with Kenny backing him up. Right. And or was, I just see all three of these guys at one point this year. I don't know about starting a game each, but at least getting game action in a regular season game. That line is just so worrisome. And Do you think, though, if now with Elodicon kind of being off the team for now, do you see any threat of the Steelers giving up Mason Rudolph this year? No, that's what I'm saying. I think that that means they're going to keep him this year. They're going to hold but on to him But even in, in like, week 14, and, and it's established that whatever you've seen out of Kenny and Mitch, that's enough. At that point, you're so deep into the season, just keep him because when he leaves next year in free agency, your comp yeah. pick's probably going to be better than anything other another team would offer you. Like you might get a comp pick you in might the get third, third round fourth, where yeah. a team will only offer you a sixth round pick for Mason Rudolph. So and if you trade him, you lose that ability to claim him as a comp pick. You need to have right. him leave via free agency. I just don't know if there's a team out there like San Francisco, maybe or not San Francisco, like Seattle maybe. Seattle's in the market for a starting quarterback, though, and I don't know if any of the other 31 teams view Mason as a starting quarterback. Like this Seattle's kind of got Mason's. Like Drew, they Locke got Drew Locke and Geno Smith are kind of Mason Rudolphs. Like, I just can't. The, the quarterback scenario in Seattle is ridiculous. Well, they need Jimmy G. It's they're stuck because he's on their rival. That's the they're biggest, not going to. San Francisco unless he gets outright release, they're not yeah. going to get him. But he's that's Seattle and Jimmy G is the marriage that needs to happen uh, for both parties involved. They would make Seattle a better team, and Jimmy G would be in a spot where he has weapons, and he actually has a good coach and you know a team that's going to try to win. So he's, that's the spot for him. It ain't going to happen unless he gets outright released, though, and I don't think the Niners would do that because they don't want to make their division rival stronger. I just don't know. Hmm. It, if you were to tell me about a month ago the Steelers would finish the season with all three, Kenny, Mason, and Mitch on the roster, I would have said, I really don't think that's going to happen. It really seems to me that a team will be desperate enough to need Mason, but given how the preseason has unfolded with the roster cuts that have been made, it's possible. Well, how clear is it, too, that Mason just had no chance to win this job? I mean, I know they made it a three-way battle, but... I think there's legitimate pause in their thinking when it comes to how good Kenny's been and if he really should be the starter over Mitch. Like, preordained starter 
Uh, Mitch was the preordained starter from the beginning, I think, but Kenny's making them think a little bit more than I think they thought they... <laughs> Kenny's making them think than I think they thought that they <laughs> thought that they think. Uh, he's definitely giving them a little bit of pause. Still think they're going to go with Mitch. Right. We, no matter what Mason did, though, was never going to give them pause, and he did really good things. Well, yeah, how about the fact that for the first two weeks of he's training the camp, one. Mitch looked super uncomfortable, Kenny looked super nervous, not ready to be a pro football quarterback, and yet Mason was still getting what? He got second team second reps team in the reps. first game, third team reps and in, then in the second game. Without Pickett really, you know, shining uh, to this point yet, at least, he got put up to the second team just to, you know, see how he handled it. Mason had to play with the third team for no real reason other than we just want to see how Kenny does with for the no second team. For no real reason other than the fact that you used a draft pick, a first round draft pick, on the other guy. Yeah, he had no shot to win this starting job, um, no matter what people would say. Uh, but kind of back to what my point is with Seattle and Jimmy G, like the quarterback market is all focused on Jimmy G. If teams need a quarterback, they're going to get Jimmy G. And until that domino falls, I just don't see there ever being a real market for Mason Rudolph. Jimmy G, I get, is a starter, and teams would want him as a starter. Maybe a team like the Lions, who are really thin behind Jared Goff, would like Mason as a backup, but... Well, how about what would you gather from Dan Campbell saying he plans to start all of his guys except for the for first Jared half, Goff. except for Jared Goff? I think I gather that he has a very weak quarterback room, and if Jared Goff goes down in the preseason, their season, mm-hmm. although it's uh, probably not going to bear any fruit this year in Detroit, it's completely shot if you don't have Goff under center. Tim Blah or David Blah, it's not. It's not. It's is. not to say that Goff is the, the guy there. No, but, but he's if you get if you lose above him, all the other guys. Yeah. And Goff's a guy that can win you football games. I don't for think, sure. I don't he's took a team to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't think ago. he's gonna like throw for three hundred and fifty yards and four touchdowns in a game. But he can get you into the end zone a couple times. He won't th- turn the ball over, uh, mainly because he doesn't take many risks. He doesn't push the ball down right. the field a lot. But I think that's something that you can use in Detroit to your advantage. And I, I think Detroit's gonna be a much better team this year. But they need to have number sixteen under center. If they go to Blah or whoever the hell's behind well, if, them, if they're, Goff they're goes completely down, shot. If Goff goes down and Jimmy G's still in San Francisco, I would see them pulling that trigger for sure. And then how much more do you like San Fran- or do you like Detroit any more with Jimmy G at quarterback over Jared Goff? Yeah, they're better. They're better with yeah. with Jimmy G. But here's the thing with Detroit: they're in this weird place where like they need a franchise quarterback, I think, to tie it all together. But I think they're getting better to the point where they're going to be like six, seven win team this year, and they're going to move further and further back in that draft class. They might they're just get gonna... stuck with mediocrity at the quarterback position while the rest of the team around them gets better and better. And then before you know it, you got like the Bengals with Andy Dalton, where you're going ten and seven, you're making the playoffs, but you know you're never going to get over that hump because of just Jared because Goff. of the quarterback. Right. So it's a weird spot in Detroit right now because that's a team that's improving for sure. But how much faith do they have in Goff of being that franchise guy? I don't. I don't think it's much. If you gave him truth serum, yeah, I guess so. And 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 Campbell's statements about we just can't lose this guy. It's not about we're not going to play Ben. Yeah, because- like you said, everybody across the board is playing for Aiden Hutchinson, their first round pick. They're all playing in the first half of this preseason game, except for sixteen. Yeah, it, it doesn't sound like there is really much faith in in Goff there, but. I don't know if, if he goes down, is the call made immediately to Jimmy G or not? Maybe they just – it would be smarter for Detroit to say, well, let's try to win a couple more games with Jimmy G just this year, or if Goff goes down, let's, let's punt on the season, back. get that top five draft pick, and get the quarterback. Because it's a loaded class when it comes to uh, the quarterback position. Uh, but, yeah, just to wrap things up, I would hold on to Mason this year. 
I don't see any reason why you should have to push him out the door earlier than need to and let him walk on his own next year. You move on with Mitch and Kenny in your back pocket, and you can go out and you can sign another guy, uh, draft another guy in the sixth or seventh round next year to fill out that quarterback room for the, the number three spot and get that comp pick. I mean, I think that getting that comp pick is going to be more valuable than anything you can possibly get from Mason uh, in just a straight-up trade right now before the season. Unless some team knocks your doors off and says, I'll give you a third-round pick for this guy, just let him leave via free agency on his own, which he will do undoubtedly after spending most of this year as the number 3 quarterback in Pittsburgh, and get that comp pick. I, I just think that that's the the smart way to go about handling these juggling these three uh, quarterbacks in your room. Yeah, I agree. Do you think that there is a chance that Kenny Pickett is the number two come Cincinnati game? Come Cincinnati, it's it's tough because, like I said earlier, I think every game is is an individual or an independent situation, right? Do you really want, if something happens to Mitch, which would, would imply injury, and right? And I'm not going to be shocked if it does because of the line, the state of the offensive line. Do you line. really want the— the weak Steelers offensive line, week one, going up against a strong defensive line in Cincinnati. Trey Hendrickson off of a double-digit sack season again. He's going to be licking his chops for that. I mean, right. Just... I don't want to lose Mitch and Kenny in the same game. Yeah, and I also just, you know, it is it is different. Like, Kenny has looked good in the preseason in an away and in a home stadium. But Cincinnati, 60,000-plus strong foaming at the mouth because their team is the defending it. Now that, they have the quarterback in this team that they've been the little brother to for that years. That Lamar Hunt trophy is sitting in their trophy case mm-hmm. that, with 2021 etched in it. They are the reigning AFC champions. They were hungry to get back to that Super Bowl and win at this time for the first time in franchise history. I mean, they, they have everything going for them. That's a tough environment for Kenny to have to slide into second quarter, third quarter if Mitch goes down. And you have to wonder, too, this is a point that Matt Williamson has brought up several times. It's not just about, wow, Kenny's a playmaker. Is he good enough to step into that Cincinnati game if Mitch goes down and check into the right protections and read blitzes that are coming from the defense and check out of plays into running plays if he sees a blitz coming and you can't pass into it? Like, It's the minutia of the position that you're worried about, not the fact that he's a baller. He's clearly a baller. But it's being a professional is the part that he might not be ready for yet. And we Ma- Mason's won, right? probably we, better we than won. all three of them still when it comes to checking out of things and, and maneuvering Canada's offense around because he's the one that's been in it for the past couple of years. Yeah. If So if to answer your question, I would not put— I would go Mason. I would go Mason yeah. week, week one. We'll see how long that lasts, though. Sure. I'm sure it won't be long before Kenny is good with the check with I knees mean, and checking into protections and slides into that two spot. They play—the Steelers play— the Patriots at home, then the two. Browns, the Browns and the in Jets. Cleveland, but then you get the Jets. Yeah, the Jets would be a good one. I if uh, yeah, maybe that Patriots Browns Jets stretch is where he moves to number two, and then I think the best case scenario, well, the best case scenario is Mitch is amazing and the Steelers are in the playoff race the entire year and you don't make a switch. But if they're kind of you know fumbling a little bit, I think you can slide Kenny into that number one spot in the bye week. You've got two home games after the bye week, since New Orleans and then Cincinnati. New Orleans a little bit easier than Cincinnati, so a little tune-up there. I think that's a really obvious spot to make a move if you need to make a move. If you've got five wins, six wins before that break, there's no point in pulling Mitch out. He should just ride it out for the rest no, of the year. No, with, with the bye week this, this year coming at essentially the halfway point or what would be the halfway point in a normal season or a normal 16-game schedule, 
If you if you if you enter the bye week with five wins or six wins, like you said, five and three and six and two, absolutely mm-hmm. no reason to pull Mitch. If you do the opposite, if you enter with a two and six record or in three and five, eh, you got to move it. You got to. I think it's time to go to the future at that point, rip the bandaid off, and see what Kenny can do for the remainder. And of the you season. use that entire two week period to go with to, prep to get him. Kenny ready. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely see how things shake out against Detroit when it comes to that quarterback room. Like we said, Mitch is probably going to start, but maybe Kenny has an outside shot to dethrone Mason with a strong performance against Detroit. Got a lot more to get to in our other episodes here of the Steelers Standard, so make sure you're keeping an eye out for those. That'll do it for this episode, though. On the next one, we're going to do some power rankings, not power ranking teams in the NFL like we usually do on Wednesdays. We're going to get a little creative with the power ranking since it's still the preseason. So that's on the way on our next episode. He's Jacob Recht. I'm Tom Opperman. As always, we appreciate you guys giving us a listen, and this has been the Steelers Standard. If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for lemonade days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.